Hello and welcome to the first ever programme by Cheltenham Prep Radio Club. My name is James French. And I'm Georgina Hamer. Over the past weeks, our team has been busy preparing interviews with members of staff to give you an insight into everyday life at the Prep. Coming up, we talked to recently retired Mr Baker about his regular return visits to the boarding house. And we talked to Mr Dawson about rugby tactics. Plus, we sat down to talk to head teacher Mr Wybrow about his first few years at the Prep. But first, Peter spoke to Mr Baird about Friday night teacher football. Hello, I'm Peter and I'm being joined by Mr Baird from Friday Night Football. And my first question is, what was the score? Well, hi Peter, hi. The score tonight was 7-all, a 7-goal thriller. Well, a 14-goal thriller, yeah, really, really big game. Great draw. And did you have any special tactics on your team? We made sure we had one hanging at the back, hit them quick on the break. Yeah, always good. Yeah, always hit them quick on the break. I think played two at the top, which uh, I think worked well for us today. 4-4-2? Yeah. More 1-2, but yeah. Do you have any footy advice to give any of the listeners? Footy advice. First rule, keep it on the carpet. And by that I mean keep the ball on the floor, okay, rather than putting it in the air so you can keep under control of it. Second thing, always take a touch. Get the ball under control. You can either pass, mm. dribble, shoot, cross. But once the ball is under control, you can then weave your magic. Good advice there. Thank you, Peter. And do you have a favourite position? And what position were you playing today? I played a bit on the left wing today. It's my favourite position. I like being uh, the big man up front. Quite often I take the Emil Heskey role. Do everything but score up front. Yeah, today I played largely on the left wing. I got a couple of goals, so uh, rather pleased with the performance. Good. OK, thank you, Mr Bird. Thank you, Peter. Former DT teacher, Mr Baker, retired two years ago, but he's still a familiar face around the boarding house. Jemima Coyote went to speak to him about his life after teaching. Why did you retire? Because I was nearly retiring age at 60, and the school was getting more and more busy, and um, I was finding it was taking up too much of my time, and I wasn't getting enough time at home with all the things I liked doing. If you're tired, then why do you still come to the boarding house on Wednesdays? Because it's fun to see everybody again. Um, if you go home, I, I live quite a long way away, you see, so I go home and um, I don't see anybody I know from school anymore. And I made a lot of my very best friends at uh, school, a lot of the teachers and things. And it's nice seeing the children as well again. And um, it's just a nice evening of fun and they can go home again and there's none of the lesson preparation or having to do it all over again the next day and get tired. Why did you want to teach? It's just a fun thing to do. If you are not too bothered about making lots of money and your preference is really for doing something for other people, so it's a thing called altruism. If you are uh, really interested in just making somebody else's life a little bit better, teaching is quite a nice thing to do. And it's fun. You spend most of your day laughing. I think it's a, a, you know, a cheerful job because young people always smile and laugh and um, it's uh, good, good, to be, good to be around young people. What did you do before you started teaching? Um, well, I've always taught, but when I first started teaching, it was um, 1970 eight or nine, long, long time ago. And at that time, there were too many teachers for the jobs. So I, for a, a very, very short while, I couldn't find a job as a teacher. And so I worked in a really, really boring um, office job for six months. Uh, but I've always taught apart from that. If you had to choose anything apart from teaching, what would you choose? 
I've seen all sorts of jobs I'd have loved to have done if I'd known about them, and I think the very, very biggest one is um, an antique restorer, and um, um, there's a job you can do where you can travel around um, big country houses and um, mend furniture and do things to picture frames and restore paintings and uh, valuable things. I think I'd be very interested in that. And last question. What did you study in university apart from teaching? Art. Because it surprises a lot of people. I'm actually an art teacher, and uh, my qualifications for art. And one of my favourite things to do when I'm on my own is to paint and draw. But when I came here, they were just starting CDT, and the headmaster at the time uh, asked me if I'd like to do the CDT, or what's now called DT. And so I trained for art, mostly. That's very interesting. Yeah. Thank okay. you for right. your time. That's a pleasure. Next. James and Dennis grabbed a few minutes to talk to the first team rugby coach, Mr Dawson. Hello, Dennis is here with Mr Dawson, interviewing him about the yesterday match on Wednesday against um, Bore Desert. Yesterday's game was a well-played game, and seeing as though we have eight of our team in the year below to take on one of these um, local schools and to compete um, speaks volumes about the rugby at our school that we can actually fight above our weight, Dennis, so to speak. OK, um, so do you have any like special tactics? Well, we need to keep the ball, Dennis, and we've got to make sure, because we're a year young, that we don't attack as individuals. So it's a great learning curve for these year sevens to come up and really spend this year, I call it invisible learning, Dennis, when they actually learn to play as part of a team and they can't rely on their um, physicality to get round children. They have to be shrewd and use their brains and play as a team to work the ball around. So Dennis, what they do, they learn to, to attack as team, not as, in, as, as a group of players. But I'm a forwards coach, so my forwards will pick and go in groups instead of picking and going and running off on their own. Because if you're small, Dennis, and you run off on your own, what can happen to you? You get tackled. Absolutely, and the ball gets stolen, won't it? Do you have like any information about the opponents before before the actual match? Well, that's a very good question, Dennis, because what, there is actually a website that's um, been available for the last two or three years. It's called the school's rugby website. And what you can do, you, we put our own scores on there. And we can also go and have a look at other schools in your on your fixture list and see how well they're doing. And also get a little bit of background information about the school. Nowadays, websites are controlled within the school and they don't let outsiders interview their scores. There's usually a parent's area. So we use this website to have a little, you know, look at our opponents. So do our team have, like, any positive sides or negative sides you would, like, tell us about? Well, there's always um, different schools playing different styles and we need to keep the schools on side. So we get a lot of the players that come over to the college in year nine. But it's quite interesting. Bo Desert actually play a very... Um, positive brand of um, of rugby where they try and attack through the phases using the backs and forwards and they're not at all cynical so I quite and they, they're usually quite you know well coached their handling so it's always good to go and play Bodeza. Okay, um, are, are there any problems that our team has had before the match and? Uh... Dennis I have to say this is one of the most enjoyable years I've taken due to the fact that we have boys that fight above their weight boys that get on well with each other they can take criticism to improve themselves and um, and they're, they're at ease in each other's company no one's intimidated by their teammates and so everyone has a role to play within the side and that as I say makes our job as coaches um, all that more positive because we have children that want to learn so and it's years like this where children have to fight for their results that are, are really re highly rewardable what, what do you think we could improve on our team 
from that uh, match? I think every team can, um, or that match specifically, is probably just to go forwards and not to go too laterally, especially on a smaller pitch. Because it was, I think it was quite a small pitch yesterday. So sometimes you've just got to take two, two, two or three yards forwards is better than 10 or 20 yards sideways and you'll be running away from your support. So remember what I said earlier? When we're a little bit weaker in terms of our physicality, we can't run away from our support. So probably being a bit more direct. And Dennis, every year I say to my sides, be loud. The louder you are, the better you are. Would you like, would you like to um, tell us about any top players? Well, there's a prop called Dennis um, Soliev, yes. He's, um, you know, he's one to watch for the future. Um, he's coming and he really wants to please. Um, and he does take criticism very well. That's one thing I like about him. Um, and he's like a sponge. He takes this criticism, turns it into a positive and comes back. And I think he's on the right path. We've got lots of year seven boys who, um, who, you know, as I say, it's invisible learning. So they're learning to play technically this year. And they've actually really impressed me this year. And our year eights and what great role models they are. You know, they've been under the cosh. They're, they've learned how to grind out wins so they can enjoy the victories a lot more and as I say good role models because um, they have to lead by example as the few year rates we have on the side so you know people like Ben Anton Smith you know what a great centre he is puts his um, it's like in the world war Dennis he's the one that will die on the barbed wire for the rest of his team to run Charlie. over Charlie sorry did I say his brother Ben yeah. sorry excuse me Ben, ben was here a few years ago the yeah, Freudian slip but um, no Charlie's the guy that leads from by example and will dive on the barbed wire I can mention every one on my side apologies if I'm leaving players out it's not because I want to there's so many players I could talk about every single player in that team and what they bring uh, any like personal feelings or further expectations from your team what do you mean expectations from my team what, going into the term ahead yes okay I expect them to train hard I expect them to um, to train hard, prepare themselves a bit more mentally now. That's something that I said last game, Dennis. I don't know if you remember how um, rugby is not just about the physical side, but the mental preparation. I don't mean I want to do uh, you know get us doing a hacker or anything, Dennis. But it'd be nice just to slowly build up inside. You know the the aggression. Think about what you're doing before the game. You know, do you ever see these Grand Prix drivers, Dennis? Before they um, do a race, sometimes they'll close their eyes and they'll visualise the course. You, you can do that as a rugby player or any sport. You can visualise your first carry with the ball, your first tackle, and you can get yourself mentally prepared for the contact and, you know, give yourself confidence. Are you looking forward to house rugby or any, like, thoughts about it? House rugby is fantastic at this school. I remember back in the day, um, during the war, when everything was black and white when I was at school, and um, house rugby was an excuse to, um, you know, just, just go into your teammates and you know have a almost have a brawl with them it was so uncouth now at prep school level i wish all the schools in the country come and see how rugby's played at this school because it's fantastic so what we do we have rules dennis and we have rules that for example if you break from 122 to the next you have to offload it so it encourages support play and also if you carry the ball in two hands that's great and if you don't there's a free kick against you, so it encourages good techniques. So we use the house matches to act as a positive to improve the technique of the players. And also, it's when you see the third and fourth team players really raise their game. And that's what I really get out of it, when you see these boys really step up for their houses. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great spectacle, Dennis. I'd recommend it for any friends or family to come along and watch it. Um, so... 
Um, so any more questions, Dennis? It's been a really highly, high, highly enjoyable interview. And um, yeah, I want to say I, I do enjoy the rugby at the school at the moment. There's been a great turnout in the Seven Aside Club activity that we have on a Tuesday. And it's really improving the handling of the boys because we're doing a lot of focus on the handling. And um, I think the rugby in the years ahead is in a good position, Dennis. I think we're, the school's going to have some really good years ahead of itself. And more importantly, the boys are going to enjoy their sport. Um, what do you think are the advantages and minuses of this year's team compared to the last year's first team? Oh, I don't compare teams from year to year. They're just, just totally different animals. I, I look at them and I try to improve them. With Mr Simpson, we try to improve them on you know their merits. The Every team has, a, has its strengths and weaknesses. Every team can be stretched and challenged. This year, you know, we've got to use our heads to try and work out how we can get through teams. And, um, and they're doing it this year, so they're varying their tactics, you know. Did you see Piers Brown's chip ahead yeah. yesterday? So what he's doing there is looking up, seeing where the space is, and chipping it through for our winger. And that's great, that's real progression when you have players looking at space. That's all I can ever ask, having a team that looks at space and attacks the space. Whether it's moving that ball two passes away to attack, or putting a chip through. Um, Are we running out of time, Dennis? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been it's been really um, it's been emotional talking to you, Dennis, today, and I hope one day we can meet again for another catch up. Thank you very much for coming to interview me and James, the sound man, and um, I hope the podcasting goes well, fellas. Thank you, thank, you sir. Thank you very much, fellas. Bye bye. That's Mr. Dawson taking our first team rugby players through their season at the prep. Finally, for this programme, Caden Brister joined the leader of the school, Mr. Wybrow. What did you do before you were a teacher? Before I was a teacher, I was an officer in the Royal Marines. I did my training at Limston. I got what was called my Green Beret, and then I stayed for a further two years. What made you change jobs? I'd always wanted to be a teacher. I found it out when I was at school where I had such a great time. Um, but I'd always wanted to join the Royal Marines. When I'd trained in the Marines, they then posted me to Arbroath, which is in the middle of nowhere, and I found it incredibly boring because there was very little to do, whereas, of course, as a teacher, there's always lots to do. What did you teach when you were a teacher? I was a teacher of physical education and geography, and then I slowly developed so that I was able to teach history and some English, geography, less and less PE, a little bit of games, and then finally I spent most of my time teaching geography. So when you became a headmaster, did you feel like you could improve each school that you went to? Oh yes. Um, there was always a job to do when I arrived. The first job, it was all to do with reassuring the staff and the parents because somebody had left suddenly. My second job was reviving a very good school, but a very tired school where the headmaster had been there for an awful long time. And then at Cheltenham College Prep, again, it was to do with giving people confidence and making sure that they knew there was a firm hand on the tiller. Um, when you became a headmaster, of course, you had to do assemblies. Is that still quite scary, standing in front of everybody? It's not scary, but the day you just lose that little bit of nerves is the day you make a mistake. Mm. So even though I've done them time and time again, I always make sure that I know what I'm going to say. I'm always prepared. Um, you'll always notice the certificates are laid out, aren't they? So mm. that's so that I don't get in a mess. 
And it means whether it's assembly or whether I'm talking to parents in an evening or talking to children or doing the big speech at Parents' Day, I'm always just a little nervous because I never take it for granted. Do you enjoy speaking in front of assemblies? Um, Yes, I do. I enjoy speaking to children much more than I do to parents because I can tell children exactly what I think. (laughs) Whereas parents, I have to be a little bit more diplomatic. Do you ever get scared thinking you have the whole faith of upper school? No, not at all. No, I'm absolutely convinced that because I'm not always right, I know that, um, and I still make mistakes and I still learn, but where I'm absolutely convinced that I'm right in the potential of children, all children, whether they're independently educated or whether they're educated in the state system, to be good people. And so when I speak to them, it's all about them becoming good people. So yeah, I'm very confident with what I said. Have you ever woken up and felt like, ah, I don't feel like having going to school today? Um, I think you can count the number of occasions that I felt like that on the fingers of one hand. And they've always been caused by issues with adults, not with children, whether it's been issues with people who I'm working with or with parents. It's never to do with children. What's the worst thing that's happened as a teacher? The worst thing is always um, disciplining children. So um, either just telling them off, suspending them or expelling them. I've only had to expel one boy and that was here. And I won't, I'm not ashamed to say that that made me cry because who who wants to do that to to a child? The best thing um, happens every day. And today, if I had to say a best thing, it would be a little boy who is has been so normally very quiet, just taking the time to say good morning to me. In the um, common rooms at the school, do you ever um, have a bit of a laugh around oh, the crunches, teachers? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> very much so. You couldn't do any job without having a laugh. You've always got to have a laugh. It's a bit like just being at school. You've got to have a laugh. And the other thing about that is that they, I think it's very important that they see me as I am. I don't try to be anything other than what I am, and that involves having a laugh. Is it sometimes hard to telling off another child? Is it sometimes hard to do that as a headmaster, not being their parent or something? No, it's easier. When you're not their parent, you're not as emotionally involved. You still care very, very yeah. much, but you don't love them like you love your own children. And, and love is a very distorting emotion, isn't it? And yeah. So, uh, no, it's easier. What did you not like at school and how have you changed it at the prep? So what I didn't like at my own school was unfairness. I was a good boy and who tried hard, worked hard, um, maybe should have done a bit more academic work, but I never did it out of malice. And I never understood why those who were inherently um, good were sometimes not given the recognition they should have got by other boys who just happened to be very clever um, but didn't try hard. I think there was a lot of room for for congratulating those who try hard but just aren't the best. Yes, I'm, I'm very impressed by those who come first and who get the cups and that's very important but I'm much more impressed by all those children who do their best and not just be the best. What was it like being headmaster to your own children? I had great sympathy for both Abby and Ellie. That's a tricky one for them, but they because they were so good and so kind, and uh, which I seem to think, then they made it very easy for me because I never had to tell them off. 
they tried hard. The three things which I asked them to do, try hard, get involved and be kind, they seemed to do, so it worked really well. I missed them terribly. I, I would, I, it was a great privilege for me to have the sort of um, knowledge of what my children were doing at school and to see them through the day. What a great privilege that was. It worked really well. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll download the future programmes. We're already working on everything from rap to sound collages, so we should have loads of great radio for you to hear. On that bombshell, good night.